Shalom and welcome to the Jewish Mind, where the growth of modernity meets the timeless wisdom and solutions of Judaism. This lecture is called The Peaceful Warrior, subtitle, Peacefully Battling the War of Life. There is a very defining verse in the book of Job that reads, Because man is born for trouble, but flying creatures fly upward. Rashi, the classic commentator of the 11th century, explains the verse as, and I quote Rashi, Because man is born for trouble, for it is impossible that he should not sin and receive trouble as punishment for sin. He is not like the flying creatures, the angels and spirits who fly upward and are not of the earthly creatures. Other editions read, Fly upward so as not to be among the earthly creatures, over whom the adversary and temptation rule. Many define the word in the verse le'amal to mean hard work rather than as trouble. However, the content is the same. The key words here are, and I quote, over whom the adversary and temptation rule, end quote. Thus, the meaning behind hard work or trouble for which man was born speaks of the inner war that the person must wage against his inner adversary and inner temptations that must be conquered, stripped naked, and transformed. This raging battle is a lifetime's war, as our sages teach, do not believe in yourself until the day you die. To emphasize this point, the Talmud points this teaching towards Yochanan the high priest who Yochanan the high priest officiated as high priest for 80 years and in the end he became a min. A min is someone who did not follow the oral law. To appreciate what the Talmud is saying, we must understand that a high priest who entered into the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur and was not worthy of doing so would die in the Holy of Holies. Yochanan the high priest entered and exited safely the Holy of Holies 80 times and nevertheless he ended up succumbing to the inner war and fell victim to his inner adversary and inner temptations. Thus, this life of battle which is mandated of each and every one of us, from the holiest high priest to the simplest water carrier, seems to be telling us that there is no rest for the weary and no inner peace for the moral. This lecture is going to explore this lifetime of battle, its purpose, and how to find inner peace while waging it. Our Torah portion, called Kiseitse, begins with, I'm going to quote the opening verse, if you go out to war against your enemies and the Lord your God will deliver him into your hands and you take his captives. Upon this verse, Rashi comments, If you go out to war, the verse here is referring to an optional war, i.e. not obligatory. Since in reference to the obligatory war to conquer the land of Israel, it would be inappropriate to say, and you take his captives because that has already been stated regarding the seven nations of Canaan, from these people's cities you shall not allow any soul to live. To understand what Rashi is saying, we must first explain that there are two types of war that the Jewish people are commanded about in the Torah. 
One is the obligatory war concerning the nations of Canaan who lived in the land of Canaan before it became the land of Israel. Concerning these wars, we are obligated to conquer all of the nations of Canaan. In this war, if the people of the land did not leave, but stayed to wage war, no prisoners can be taken, so that the people of these nations do not remain within the land. The second type of war is an optional war, as of those that King David fought to broaden the borders of Israel as the people of Israel grew and their needs needed to expand and grow. In these wars, prisoners were allowed to be taken. Now we understand what Rashi is telling us, that by the mere fact that the verse is speaking of bringing back prisoners, we know that the verse is speaking of the optional war and not of the obligatory war. The Alter Rebbe, Rav Shneir Zaman of Liadi, founder of Chabad, gives us the deeper mystical insight to this verse and tells us that the verse is speaking of the spiritual war that we explained previously in the opening of this lecture. Rav Shneir Zalman explains that this is the war of prayer. The Zohar teaches that the time of prayer is the time of war. Why? In order to understand this, we need to know that in Jewish mysticism, tefillah, the Hebrew word for prayer, does not mean to beseech of God. Rather, it comes from a word in the Torah, tofel, ptil, which means connected to. As in, the verses, as in the verse concerning the laws of impurity, the verse goes on to talk about if something is in a room which has a dead body and the entire room becomes impure. So if something is in a sealed earthenware, then it is protected and considered in its own domain. So look how the verse says, Any open vessel which has no seal fastened, Petil, around it becomes unclean. So to the word prayer, from the word tefillah, ptil, means connected. Rabbi Shalom Dober Lubavitch, in his works Kuntris Hatfilah, Tract on Prayer, explains, that as that the explains this as that the primary purpose of prayer is to create and develop a true love for God. This is the connection of prayer to truly and tangibly love God. However, true love cannot exist within a dichotomy. One cannot live within his love for his ego and self-indulgence and within his love for God and selfless transparency to God at the same time. Thus, prayer is a time of war in which we must truly conquer our inner adversary and inner temptations in order that we may live within true love and connectedness to God. Thus, prayer is the mystical war of the verse. If you go out to war against your enemies, and the Lord your God will deliver him into your hands, and you take his captives. Rabbi Shneir Zaman continues in defining the verse's directive concerning this inner war of prayer. In the Hebrew text, the verse literally reads, if you go out to war on, al ovecha, on your enemies, and not against your enemies, neged ovecha. Within the verse's specific choice of word, Rav Shneir Zalman sees the verse teaching us how to wage the war. 
Mystically speaking, the word on your enemy is directing us to meditate upon the spiritual source, the on of our enemy. No evil comes forth from God, and thus the spiritual source of our enemy must be one of goodness and holiness that gets corrupted as it descends into the physical realm of egocentrism and of self-indulgence. The source of our inner temptations is the source of our animalistic soul, which are the four animal faces described in the book of Ezekiel, in the prophet Ezekiel's description of the holy chariot, the throne of God. Ezekiel describes that he saw the face of a lion, ox, eagle, and human. The entire concept of the holy chariot is that it carries and is subservient to the glory of God. Thus, these animal forces and their tremendous power of passion within its source is transparent and subservient to God. It is only in the descent of this animal power and its power of passion that it loses its transparency to God and instead becomes subservient to our ego as it transforms into our inner adversary and our inner temptations of self-indulgence and selfishness. Understanding that the source, the on, of our enemy, who we must wage war against, is pure and good, empowers us to wage the war of prayer victoriously and to even bring back prisoners, meaning that we strip our power of passion from egocentric self-indulgence and instead transform it into a passionate love for God Torah, our fellow Jew, and for the well-being of Israel. The Rebbe of Righteous Memory now steps into the discussion and questions the contradiction between Rashi and the Alter Rebbe. As we previously quoted, Rashi defines this verse to be speaking of the optional war, while the Alter Rebbe, Rabshneir Zalman, is defining this verse to be speaking of the most obligatory war of all, the very war that is the primary purpose of the life, which is to develop a connection and true love to God. To understand the Rebbe's answer to this contradiction between Rashi and the Alter Rebbe, we need to redefine the definition of the word optional, which in Hebrew is Rishut, to mean peaceful. Thus, we are speaking here on a mystical level of the war warrior, which is the obligatory war, and the peaceful warrior, the optional war. Additionally, we need to understand that while at the onset of the ultimate obligatory spiritual war that we speak of does start as that of the war warrior, with forcefully humbling, forcefully suppressing, and forceful sobriety, however, from there we develop into the optional spiritual war of the peaceful warrior, with opening ourselves up to peaceful transformation and peaceful recovery. The war warrior is prayer, as we find in the final words that Jacob says to Joseph at the end of the book of Genesis, and I quote, And Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I am going to die. And he goes on to say, And I have given you one portion of land, Shechem, over your brothers, which I took from the hand of the Amorite with my sword and with my bow. The famous Onkelos, who was the nephew of the Roman emperor who converted to Judaism and wrote a translation of the entire Torah, which serves as an authority used in understanding the verses, the Onkelos translates the words, my sword and my bow, to mean 
with my prayer and my beseeching. This translation is quoted very often in Hasidicism in explaining the inner war of prayer. The reason why prayer is the obligatory war of the war warrior is because prayer comes from below, from the human elevating himself up to God. Therefore, it begins within enemy territory, within the environment and paradigm of the egocentric self-indulgence manifestation of our power of passion. The samurai warrior in his prayer needs to first cut away the strong vines that have wrapped themselves around him, tying him down. This is why the first part of the prayer, called Pesuke de Zimra, has two interpretations. The simple interpretation of Pesuke de Zimra is verses of praise. However, the mystical interpretation is from the etymology of Lezamer Aritzim, which means to prune the vines, the vines of the opaque husks which cover the transparency of our power of passion. Thus, prayer is where the individual is a war warrior with his double-edged sword striking powerfully and precisely at the coarseness of our ego and self-indulgence. The peaceful warrior is the art of Torah study, as the verse in Proverbs states, and I quote the verse, Its ways are ways of pleasantness, and all its paths are peace. In Torah study, God is talking to us, telling us His word, His directives, and His will, which is the polar opposite of prayer. Prayer is where we are talking to God from our egocentric realm of our power of passion, battling our way up to the pure and holy source of our power of passion. In Torah study, we are in the above, where the source of our power of passion is, and from there we peacefully bring the source's selfless paradigm to ourselves. In Torah study, we are not cutting away at ourselves and at the vines that bind us to the below. Rather, we are coming from the peaceful, pure, and transparent above. These two warriors, the war warrior and the peaceful warrior, are not mutually exclusive. The sages explain that the power of the Torah study which we do after praying is far greater than the Torah study that we do before our prayer services. This Torah study after our prayers is mystically called, and I quote, the Torah study upon which we first made a blessing. The same is concerning the prayer that comes after Torah study, in which our paradigm was lifted, and the prayer is now empowered by the peaceful warrior, and is a peaceful experience where the divine light of the Torah automatically humbles the ego of the animalistic soul here in the below. The power of the peaceful warrior influencing the war warrior is especially powerful in this Jewish calendar month of Elul, with, with just prior to Rosh Hashanah. The month of Elul is described with King Solomon's verse in the Book of Sages, I am my beloved's, and my beloved's is mine, who grazes amongst the roses. The Hebrew word for rose is Shoshana, and in plural it is Shoshanim. In Kabbalah and Hasidus we speak of the rose as the thirteen-petaled rose, which refers to the thirteen attributes of mercy of God, which is primarily accessed through prayer. However, there is a second interpretation to the words, who grazes among the roses, Shoshanim. 
The Talmud states concerning the word roses in a different verse, Do not read Shoshanim, roses, but Sheshonim, studiers, those who study. Thus we have here the power of prayer, Shoshanim, roses, and the power of Torah study, Sheshonim, studiers, and how they each influence each other specifically in this month of Elul. In closing, from this lecture we learn how to find inner peace even when we must engage with our inner struggles and wage our inner wars. The power of embracing the peaceful warrior is the power to see ourselves through the eyes of God rather than through our own judgmental eyes. This begins with embracing the totality of the verse in Lamentations, and I quote, From the mouth of high, God, does not go out any evil. Thus, in up high, the source of everything that we must battle, our inner adversary and our inner temptations, all is truly good, pure, beautiful, and perfect. It is what our power of passion and our character embody themselves within as they become driven by and are subservient to our egocentrism that turns these beautiful gifts from God into an adversary. Let us take this one step deeper. Kabbalah Hasidism explained that the reason why the godly souls embodies itself within the animalistic soul's domain, and especially so as the animalistic soul descends into the physical realm of egocentrism. Hmm, why does the godly soul do this? The answer is that the godly soul, which is the highest form of the spiritual human, is stumped in its experience of the power of passion. You will notice that children have a far greater unadulterated power of passion than an adult does. As the human matures, the natural power of his intellectual faculties over his emotional faculties act as a coolant to his emotional faculties. So too, animals have a far greater power of passion drive than the human being does. Thus, the only reason that the godly soul descends into the animalistic soul's domain and subjects itself to the fullest experience of the animalistic soul's animal instincts is in order for the godly soul to be able to connect with this infinite animalistic power of passion in his love for God. Thus, the very adversary we fight against is the very prize of life that we are living for. The true battle is to strip clean our adversary from self-indulgence driven by egocentrism and fear, so that our adversary can become our greatest ally. What we are seeing now is that while the battlefield remains the same, the battle itself just took a total turn. It is precisely that which we hate about ourselves that is what God loves about us. It is only our choice of clothing in which we dress our beautiful animalistic power of passion that makes us look ugly with selfishness. Thus, yes, at the very onset of the battle, we need to imply our war warrior to stand as a samurai and selflessly cut away the vines of selfish behaviors that keep us bound within its prison. However, very quickly, we must introduce our war warrior to our peaceful warrior, in which our stinking thinking is transformed into godly thinking. 
We do this by propelling ourselves into a Torah study in which the Torah is personalized into our mindset, changing our paradigm of reality, consistently praying that God reveal to me His will for me. It is in this peaceful prayer that God reveals His will for me that our true inner peace is found. Friends, modernity offers growth and growth comes with challenges. Judaism offers divine timeless divine solutions. The Jewish mind is where modernity meets Judaism.